el primero de mayo. <laughs> it is the week 13 football kickback. I am your host, the Sam D. You see it up there on the screen. Welcome in. What a wonderful day of NFL action. Kinda. I mean, there was a lot going on here, especially the 4 o'clock window. The 1 o'clock window again was kind of mid. Well, we'll get there, but we always start with the 4 o'clock games and we work our way back. If you're new here, make sure to subscribe to the channel. Hit that like button if you're pulling up here to the stream. You can jump into the comments. I will get, get to you. Got a prompt here to let me know when people are jumping into the comments. So we can have a little back and forth. It's all good. So be feel free to chime in. And uh, connect and subscribe, man. We're here and uh, we're trying to bring you some different content, some new content. And we will be going over these games because right now the Chiefs are kind of sputtering here down the stretch. And for a guy that's invested heavily fantasy-wise in Mahomes and Kelsey, a little shaky in the light. But the game today, Cincinnati and Kansas City. Let's jump right into it. Let's not hesitate. Let's not waste any of your time. Let's go ahead and jump into the screen share here. Boom. So Mahomes, 16 of 27, 223 yards and one touchdown. That's not Mahomes-like. That's not a guy who low-key was kind of the perennial favorite for the MVP. As we know, Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungabailoa has also been hovering. But, you know, after today, Mahomes definitely takes a step back in the MVP race. And Jalen Hurts, with his performance and the Eagles continuing to ascend, and they now, he now seems to be fully entrenched in that MVP slot. But Patrick Mahomes, what did you see from him today? I saw a guy that he needs a receiver. And we I've been talking about that on my podcast, the DCMD podcast. If you're not hip and you want to get hip, the link is in the description uh, down here. And uh, it's, it's a thing where, look, look at the receiving. Kelsey's supposed to be him. Six targets, that's not the usual output you get from Travis Kelsey. Uh, Savannah Scantling, six targets, that's not what you're looking for. You know, they made the trade for Tony. He showed dividends at times, but he's not someone you can really count on yet. The Chiefs are still a wide receiver away. And I think that's ultimately what may hold them back because as great as Mahomes is, as great as Kelsey has been, and that connection is still top tier, even though today it was somewhat mid. And, you know, Kelsey had that big fumble, and uh, that kind of turned the tie because it looked like the Chiefs were, were going to go in there and kind of take control of the game in the, in the second half, in the fourth quarter. And that, that, that fumble turned the tie. And, you know, when you talk about that defense for Kansas City, they just can't stop the run. And that's been a problem. They can get after the quarterback a little bit, but when it comes right down to it, they can't stop the run. And the Bengals with no Joe Mixon, Saman J. P. Ryan getting it off for a buck 06 on 21 carries. That's the problem. At that, the yards per carry, five yards. Burrow was effective on the ground with 46. Joe Burrow thoroughly outplayed Patrick Mahomes. And you saw towards the end of the game, Mahomes was hobbling. Not sure, you know, if there's any going to be any uh, ramifications, no injury ramifications with that. But ultimately, what it's going to come down to is, will Mahomes, can Mahomes and Kelsey carry this team? Because that's, that's essentially what it's going to come down to. If you have a linebacker, if you have a safety, if you have a, a secondary player that can at least contend with Kelsey, you can slow down this offense. This offense has not looked good over the last, I would say, three weeks. Last week, they were knocking on the door a lot, but they, but they got a lot of field goals. Today, 
They weren't even able to really get a lot of field goals today. So they just weren't that effective with the Rock. And I think now you're seeing the absence of a Tyreek Hill as even though the Dolphins took an L uh, in San Francisco, a pretty significant L, mind you, in San Francisco, Tyreek Hill still puts up Tyreek Hill numbers. He still finds a way to get open, no matter whether he's in the Andy Reid system or if he's in the Mike McDaniel system, he finds a way to continuously just get open. And that would look pretty nice right now if you're the Kansas City Chiefs. And that begs the question, as Odell is making the rounds, Odell is, you know, he's, he's vis- he went to go visit the Giants. He's allegedly supposed to be visiting the Cowboys, as, you know, the Cowboys are going to be the Sunday night game, so I'll be here with you leading into the Sunday night game. Might be a little spillover into the little first quarter, but for the most part, I try to take you in from the end of the end of the 4 o'clock games and recapping the 1 o'clock games and kind of bridge that gap to the 8 o'clock game, to the Sunday night football broadcast. So, you know, as Odell visits the Giants, as he allegedly visits the Cowboys, why isn't he visiting the Kansas City Chiefs? Is that not something they want to get involved in? Wouldn't that be the type of dynamic guy that could take the top off the defense? Maybe not off those ACLs, but at least a guy who you know for sure can at least be aggressive in the slot, could be a guy that can do a post corner, that can still, I think, do a sluggo, you know, health pending. Like, so Odell to the Chiefs should be more of a thing, but I'm not sure if that's an Andy Reid thing, if that's an Odell thing. I'm not sure what's going on there because if you're Odell, why would you want to go back to the Giants? Like, why? Like, what's the, I don't understand that whole thing. I understand the narrative of wanting to spin the block and come back to the Giants because it's a new regime, the regime that wanted you out outside of ownership. The regime that wanted you out originally is all gone. But still, what about Daniel Jones makes you think you want to come back to the cold, to the cold of the East Coast and deal with that? If I'm going to deal with the cold, at least I got my homes in Kelsey. Like, that's that's where I would be at if I was Odell. But, you know, that, that remains to be seen. But clearly, this 4 o'clock game, the game of the day, between the Chiefs and the Bengals was exhibit, you know, it's not even exhibit A at this point. It's like exhibit, almost Z, exhibit W, that the Chiefs are still a wide receiver away. And when you trade away such a big piece in Tyreek Hill and you replace him with a Juju Smith-Schuster and a Marquez Valdez-Scantling, that's problematic. You go out there and you make a midseason trade for Tony, who was basically off the scrap heap, that's a problem. So Andy Reid's got some, you know, he, he can scheme away a lot. We, we know he can scheme away, but he's going to have to really get into his bag to try to cook up something amazing to get this Chiefs uh, team to go deep because it's been assumed they're just going to make this run into the playoffs. The Bengals are for real on both sides of the ball. And this is just off with Jamar Chase just coming back. He's not even fully up to speed yet. So I wonder... This could be a playoff preview. You know, these teams have played in the playoffs before. I'm just, I'm just wondering right now, if these two teams play again, especially in Cincinnati, how much confidence do you really have in the Chiefs being able to go in Cincinnati and get a dub? Because when you really look at it here, like, look, this is just a box score, right? So let's go ahead and try to dig deep here. When you're looking at um, the Kansas City Chiefs in terms of defense, they don't have Honey Badger no more. It's can they get sacks and can they first force turnovers? You're looking at interceptions here. Nada. You're looking at sacks here. One sack. And that's just not, you know, the, the Bengals don't have the greatest offensive line, by the way. 
So it's not like they're going up against this staunch offensive line. So it's just a matter of, is this more about the Chiefs or was this more about the Bengals? Did the Bengals show improve or did the Chiefs show they have some flaws that Mahomes has, and Mahomes and Kelsey have been covering up for the better part of the season? That's something we're going to have to dig deep into here because it's going to be interesting because Joe Burrow thoroughly was masterful with the Rock. I mean, you see the QB rating here, 126.6. Sounds great. You know, it's all of that. But if you watch the game, 25 or 31, that's only six incompletions. So you don't really worry about the, about the QB uh, completion percentage too much. Just a matter of the two touchdowns. He was clean in the pocket. He took advantage of the running lanes when they were there. He was able to be mobile in the pocket, which, you know, I've been talking about on the podcast. Again, the link is in the description to subscribe to the The Sam D Podcast. Uh, it's something that you really need to be mobile in this day and age. In this age of NFL, you have to be able to be mobile. Dual threat isn't a, a necessity yet. I think in the next decade or so, you will also have to be a dual threat. But as of right now, bare minimum, you have to be mobile. And Joe Burrow showed today to be mobile and gave you a little bit of a dual threat. Now, I wouldn't depend on him to give you 46 yards rushing every game, but he showed enough today. He took advantage of the rushing lanes that were there. And this, the scramble drill worked a lot today. The scramble drill worked a lot today, especially to um, Tyler Boyd a couple of times. He was able to get T. Higgins involved a little bit. So, yeah, this game was thoroughly, you can almost say the Chiefs were thoroughly outplayed here. At times, it looked like the Chiefs were just kind of there and, like, stuck in the malaise. But this game, to me, was more about the, the inefficiencies in, in terms of making a deep playoff run, projecting a deep playoff run for the Kansas City Chiefs than for the Bengals showing and trying to remind us, like, yo, y'all know we were in the Super Bowl last year, right? Like, y'all know we're, we were there. like, And we were that close away from winning a chip. So the Bengals are still them. They have their core with no Joe Mixon. That made this win even more impressive, to be quite honest. And, uh, yeah, just, just this game lived up to the billing. Uh, if, if you do the betting thing, you can see here, you should have faded the public, which is probably a smart a smart thing to do more times than not. But let's see. Let's move on. So the Chiefs fall to the Bengals 20, 27 to 24. Where do we want to go next? That 4 o'clock window was very interesting. So let's go ahead to the, to the Bay. Let's go to San Francisco, Miami. San Francisco, Miami was interesting for a lot of reasons. A lot was made about, you know, the running backs, Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. returning to face their former team, the San Francisco 49ers. And, you know, Raheem Mostert was... Was talking that talk, talking that big talk leading up to the game, kind of jumped out the window a little bit and had to walk some comments back. Um, he went on, you know, San Francisco radio and tried to clean it up because he was talking a little crazy, talking a little spicy, trying to, you know, I think he said essentially that this Dolphins team is way more talented than the 49ers teams he was a part of. I think he was out there for about four or five years with, with the 49ers. So throwing shade at his old team to prop up his new team. He got called out for it. The 49ers were clapping back in the press as well. And Raheem Moser tried to spin the block and try to clean that up. So a lot was thought of Moser because he missed last week. And a lot of people were suspecting that he missed last week so he could be fresh, fresh as he go up against his old team. And if this is him fresh, seven carries for 30 yards, yeah, then maybe you should have skipped another week, bro. Maybe you should have skipped another week. And the 49ers did this with Jimmy G getting hurt in the first quarter and Brock Purdy, man I never heard of, 
And I'm sure there's a lot of you never heard of him. And for good reason, because this man was Mr. Irrelevant. He was Mr. Irrelevant of this year's draft. So he was the absolutely last player selected in this past year's NFL draft. So Brock Purdy comes out of nowhere for two TDs and low key looked tight. Like, again, this team, which is why the Roheem Mostert comment was so crazy. For him to say that this, that the Dolphins team is so much more talented, way more talented than this 49ers team is wild because Brock Purdy was able to come off the bench and essentially do a Jimmy Garoppolo impression. I mean, that's so that kind of shows you like, no, that talent, there's a lot of talent there. If you could take a guy that was literally Mr. Irrelevant, 260-something pick in the past draft, he could come off the bench, fresh off, no first-team reps, all season long and come off the pine and give you two touchdowns and, you know, 25 or 37. I mean, that's, that's about Jimmy G like, like he gave you Jimmy G production fresh off the bench as Mr. Irrelevant. That goes a lot to the talent that is on the San Francisco 49ers. So Raheem Mostert, uh, bless him. But yeah, he, he, he looked shaky in the light. He didn't get a lot of touches. You know, Mike McDaniels is still trying to figure out this running game. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr., it appears he's still hurt. And he was the one that when he came over, he really changed the dynamic. Uh, they had Chase Edmonds, and that just didn't seem to work out. And they were able to, to jettison Chase Edmonds up out of there. And Raheem Mostert kind of had moments, but wasn't really. He showed that he wasn't really. He's not really built to be the everyday down back, the three down back. He's not that. So getting Jeff Wilson Jr. in there and just having that dynamic playmaker, that explosion to be able to hit the seams and see the hole and hit the hole. The problem with Chase Edmonds was that he was hitting holes that didn't exist. So they, there's some advanced metric here, walk with me, where apparently out of any running back in the league, he left the most yards on the ground. Like essentially for every run he was supposed to have, he was supposed to get like five, six yards of carry if he would just hit the right hole, pause. But from what he was doing, he was only getting two to three yards per carry. So he was leaving about two yards per carry on the field just because he wasn't hitting the right hole, pause. So they got Chase Edmonds out of there. Jeff Wilson Jr. was hitting the right holes, pause. But when it comes right down to it, this running game was supposed to be something that uh, Mike McDaniels was supposed to be known for, but instead it's been the passing game, and that's why Tua Tungavailoa has been known to be the guy. And he has finally shown and proved what we were waiting for him to become all these years. You know, the fact that Brian Flores allegedly didn't give him the confidence, didn't pat him on the back enough, but now Mike McDaniels has made it his, uh, his wherewithal. He has made it his duty to make sure that he does nothing but pump up to a tongue of law. I guess Tua is that, that type of dude. He just needs that constant reinforcement. Brian Flores didn't seem to be on that type of time. And he also wanted nasty man to Sean Watson uh, when we, we'll get there. He, he showed his debut today and oof. Yeah, there's a lot there. Uh, so Tua Tungavailoa, let's check out the stats here. So 18 to 33, 295 yards, two touchdowns, two picks. That stat line will make you think he had an okay game. He did not have an okay game. He was off. He was erratic. That 18 of 33 probably tells you everything you need to know because this is a dude that's been predicated on his accuracy. Uh, Tua Tungavailoa, uh, actually Tyreek Hill has said, even into the training camp heading into the preseason, that Tua Tungavailoa, throws the most accurate ball he's ever seen. 
Now, some took that as shade potentially towards, you know, Patrick Mahomes and the fact that he was a little, you know, uh, petty from being traded from Kansas City to Miami, although that sounds like a win in every sense of the, of the imagination. But when it comes right down to it, Tua showed that he is that type of dude where he throws the most accurate ball and he is predicated not necessarily on his deep ball, not necessarily on his quick release or anything, but just his purebred accuracy. So the fact that he was 18 of 33 kind of tells you the story because that's not a box score that you're used to getting from Tua Tungavailoa. Let's see here. Tyreek Hill, as I talked about with the Chiefs, you know, the fact that no matter where Tyreek Hill goes, he's giving you nine for 146. Nine for 146. And I think the problem was Jalen Waddle was hurt in this game. So they couldn't really do that dynamic duo thing that they've been killing teams with where Waddle... The thing that Tyreek Hill brings, right, is that he's going to draw two no matter what, whether it's safety top or over, over the top, safety over the top, or maybe you bracket him um, underneath. You're going to have another person there. So now that backside, the other side, you're able to expose usually one-on-one -on -one coverage or deduce my playoff and play soft, right? If Waddle's not there to expose that, then you now need another receiver to pull up and be able to do that. And unfortunately, they just don't have that type of dude. They don't have a third receiver that can come in and just expose that. I still don't know what they're doing or, more importantly, what they're not doing with Gasecki. That should be a thing on that team where he should be. I don't know why McDaniels can't figure out how to use uh, Gasecki there. He's a big tight end. He's a, he's a big target. He's this hybrid tight end that all these other teams are clamoring for. I was very surprised he didn't get moved at the trade deadline because they're clearly not going to use him. So if you're not going to use him, then flip him for something. Anywho, so the Dolphins and, and the 49ers, this was supposed to be a huge game, and it was until Jimmy G got hurt, but then you had the story of Brock Purdy. Christian McCaffrey, he had that three-touchdown game a few weeks ago. I mean, I don't, again, I'm not expecting him to come out here and go crazy, but a guy with Christian McCaffrey's skill set with a play caller that's as highly lauded as Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, I would think there'll be more dynamic play calls for him. Like he he had a good all-around game today, McCaffrey. You know, 80 yards through the air, 66 on the ground, including a touchdown through the air. But Kittle, is he still hurt? George Kittle has to still be hurt, right? Because again, look at these weapons. So again, Raheem Mostert went crazy saying that the doll, this Dolphins team has way more talent than its 49er team. I'm going to go ahead and just leave this here on the screen. And let's look at Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jr. The other team has Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel running the rock. That's a win for the other team. Uh, Raheem Mostert's team has Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, and Gasecki. The other team has Debo Samuel. Brandon Ayuk, George Kittle. I'm sorry, Raheem Mostert. Outside of Tyreek Hill, all everything else goes to the 49ers. So the whole narrative of, you know, the Dolphins are way more talented than the uh, San Francisco 49ers. A little spicy, a little spicy, a little petty. Just trying to, you know, turn, turn things up a notch leading up to the game. But defense, let's talk about this 49er defense. They are not for play play. And again, we talked about how the Kansas City Chiefs defense was not able to get pressures, was, was not able to first force turnovers. 
Let's take a look at the 49er defense, who you could argue is the best defense in the league from top to bottom to DeMarco Ryan. That's done a great job with that defense. Look at the sacks here. Got three sacks from Nick Bolsa alone. So one dude was able to get three sacks, and there were a whole lot of the hell of, a hell of a whole lot more pressures throughout that defensive line. And then you're looking at interceptions. Again, two are one of the most accurate passers, doesn't turn the ball over much. This is one, two, three picks. Three picks. So three sacks, three picks. That's what you do as a defense. And again, this, the Miami Dolphins offensive line has been uh, basura in years past, but they've made a lot of improvements. Uh, they've had some injuries. I think down, I'm not sure if Armstead played today. I would have to look that up. But I know Armstead has been a big part of the offensive line, and he was hurt last week, so it's iffy if he would go this week. But in regards to offensive line as a whole, has been upgraded. And... Three sacks today, three interceptions today. Yes, one of them was on like a trick play or whatever, but still, three three picks. Three picks is three picks, man. So, were the Dolphins exposed today? Were the Miami Dolphins exposed today? This is a team that was trying to vie for the AFC East and still, let's see if we can pull up the standings here. They're still in the mix for the AFC East, as we see here. Just a game behind. Just a game behind. And, you know, I think they have they have one more game with Buffalo, right? I think that they have one, one more game coming with Buffalo. So they could close that gap if they're still within that striking distance. But it's going to be interesting because can this team travel? I think today showed can this team travel? Now, again, it was the Bay Area, so it's not like weather was an issue. Maybe some wind at the, at the most. But can this team travel on the road when, you're, when your offense – when your success on offense is predicated so much on the quarterback's accuracy and the receivers getting open. Inclement weather, we know Tyreek can get open in inclement weather. We've seen him with the with Chiefs, right? So we're not worried about him. It's more so about Tua Tungavailoa. Can he get it off when it's bad weather? Can he get it off when it's cold? Can he get it off when it's windy as hell and the winds are swirling, when it's uh, when it's raining? Like it, that remains to be seen. Tua as a bad weather QB, it's a gigantic question mark right now. And I think that's going to be the thing because defense for Miami is, it's okay. I mean, they got Chubb. Chubb hasn't really been that since they got him. I'm not sure what more they were really expecting of him. Uh, but it's, it's, going to be, it's, it's going to be a thing. It's going to be a thing. So that is the 49ers and the Miami Dolphins. Now, do we want to go Seattle, LA, which was mid in terms of the matchup? No, nah, we got to go. We got to go Vegas. We got to go Vegas and LA. <sighs> every time you want to bury the Raiders, every time you want to bury Josh McDaniels, here they come. Every time. Never fails. And Justin Herbert, as great as he could look at times, your man's Jay Herbo. As, as much as he looks amazing at times, he could do a flick of the wrist and go crazy. That, that touchdown pass to Keenan Allen was sick. It was sick. I'm just, I'm just not a believer. They're the same charges with from Phillip Rivers and, and LT. It's the same type of, yeah, they're good. Yeah, they can score. Yeah, they're exciting. They'll always have great games in the 4 o'clock window. But in terms of winning something substantial, nah. 
I just don't see it. I know they're still missing Mike Williams. I know I get it. I get it. But I just expect more from what Jay Herbo, the, the, from the start that he had, as crazy as he looked early on, and it's still early in his career, but from the the, the start that he had, it looked like he was going to be out of here, like all the way out of here, like Josh Allen out of here. And some people still hold him in that regard, but I think he is he is a he is a product of his weapons. And Austin Eckler, he's supposed to be a dy- more dynamic than this out the backfield. Ten runs. I don't know if that's Staley or not. I don't know who the OC is for the Chargers, but I, I don't know how you run the ball only only ten times with Austin Eckler. Uh, you know, see, this this is the one thing I'll say about Jay Herbo. He is going to go for his number one receiver. You see these targets right here? You see these targets? These 14 targets for Keenan Allen, that's what every number one receiver should be getting every game. Every number one receiver should be getting double-digit targets every single game. If you're a number one receiver and you're not getting double-digit targets, you need to holler at your QB. Keenan Allen was eating today. He only got six catches, but the 14 targets, you're forcing the the teams that that are obviously targeting you in terms of they know they have to key in on you. They may have to double you. They may have to at least keep a, keep a safety, you know, bracket you a little bit or whatever that forces that to open up the other side. Gerald Everett doesn't get five for 80. If you don't target Keenan Allen 14 times, Joshua Palmer doesn't get 11 targets. If you don't target Keenan Allen 14 times, that opens up everything when you're force feeding your number one. Like, I don't care if you're bracketing my guy. I'm still going to target him 14 times. That opens up things on the backside in the slot. That opens up things in the seam for the tight end. And that opens up things for the second receiver. So I will give Jay Herbo that is that he knows when he just has to go to his guy. Because look over here with Derek Carr, Devonta Adams, 12 targets. Your number one receiver, 12 targets. Targets, force feed him. He's unstoppable. Devontae Adams is unstoppable. And even though Derek Carr to me is mid, I mean, 16 of 30. Another good game for Josh Jacobs on the ground. Like this, this Raider team on paper, and you know, I preview this on the The SMD podcast, link is in the description. I previewed the Raiders. I'm just like, look, everything is there on paper for Derek Carr now. He has a clear number one. At that time, we thought Darren Waller wasn't going to be battling injuries, but in terms of on paper, clear-cut number one top-tier receiver in Devontae Adams, a dominant stud hybrid tight end that's you know basically a, a receiver in a tight end's body in Darren Waller, and you have a good running game you know, fronted by Josh Jacobs. So at every level, you've got a top-tier person. That should make your job a lot easier. He should be doing what Tua Tungabailoa is doing. Like Derek Carr with these weapons, if he's really as highly regarded as, if he's as, if if he is in, in reality, if in the reality of what he's perceived to be was a thing, he will be putting up Tua Tungabailoa numbers. And that just hasn't been the case. And it's been troubling to me every time I watch the Raiders. I'm like, why aren't, they should be putting up 30 a game. Devontae Adams is, I mean, this is easy for him. Eight for 177 and two touchdowns, that's easy for him. He's unguardable. 
Josh Jacobs, especially over the last, I would say, month and change, has been putting up numbers like this, a buck 44 on the ground. And this is without Darren Waller. They don't even have a tight end right now. So the, the Raiders are an enigma, and that's why Josh McDaniels has been called you know, into task, and he got the vote of confidence from Mark Davis, but you know, take that for what it's worth. But it's interesting how the Raiders could give you these types of games and make you think, all right, well, maybe now they can turn the corner. They've cut so many first-round picks from that Mike Mayock and uh, Chuck Gruden, uh, J.J. Gruden, um, John Gruden, excuse me, not Jay Gruden. I don't want to lump him into this nonsense, but the, the John Gruden stuff, like they've cut damn near every first-round pick. Uh, Farrell, I think, is the last one left. I think he had, what, half a sack today, I think I saw on here, right? Farrell had half a sack? Yeah, he had half a sack today, but you better keep doing that because he's next on the chopping block. But, yeah, this was a great game. Um, this was a old-school AFC West game, back-and-forth option, back-and-forth action. I think what it comes down to is because the Chargers are still hurt, no Mike Williams again today, because the defense, those edge rushers that were supposed to be highly touted uh, with uh, Bosa and Khalil Mack, that hasn't been a thing because, you know, you really shouldn't be focused on edge pressure in the first place. Like That's just not going to get it done. If you can't crash the middle, penetrate the middle, pause, uh, the, bat the, the battle in the trenches is one on the inside, not the outside. I will uh, spit that to my dying day. Go ahead and do all your fancy stuff on the outside on the edge. If you can't penetrate the middle, it's a wrap for you. It's a wrap for you. So that is that game. So the last of the 4 o'clock games, Gino, Gino. Doing it again, the Seattle Seahawks are 7-5 and five in the Super Bowl. Defending Super Bowl champion LA Rams fall to, what, 3-9? and 3-9, last place in the NFC West. And clearly, look, they put Matt Stafford on the IR. He appears to be done. John Wolford? I mean, okay. <laughs> but, yeah, this game was about the Seahawks could not trick this off. They had a dying opponent standing in front of them. And they had to go ahead and put that opponent out to pasture. And they did so. Geno Smith, three touchdowns today. Is Geno in this MVP conversation? Let's go ahead and see if we can pull up Geno's numbers for the season. Is Geo, is Geno, I mean, we're talking about, damn, I didn't realize he's been sacked that much. 27 times he's been sacked. All right, let's see here. 11 games. 73% per, per, 73% completion percentage, almost 3,000 yards, 19 touchdowns against only five picks. He's limited to turnovers. He has been sacked a lot. 27 sacks in 11 games is a lot. But, I mean, if we're talking about could any quarterback have done this with the, uh, the Seahawks? I don't think so. I think you need a guy of Geno's, one, Geno's confidence. If there's one thing we know about Geno Smith, and we got to know him a lot here, as I'm basically here on the East Coast uh, near New York, uh, Geno is confident. <laughs> Geno thinks he's him. He's not afraid to let you know that he thinks he's him. 
And all he's ever wanted is a chance. And now he's getting that chance with Seattle. And he's proven that, yeah, you give me two receivers and Lockett and DK Metcalf and a bruising running back and Kenneth Walker. Again, look what Russell Wilson walked away from. Look what Russie didn't want to cook in no longer. He didn't want to cook no more with Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. I mean, he didn't know about the drafting of Kenneth Walker, but they've done a decent job of trying to, you know, replace Marshawn Lynch over the years with, with the running game. So it's, I'm not sure what, what Russie was thinking. Uh, he just wanted to go somewhere and cook. And yeah, he did a good job cooking up mid today. We'll get there. We'll, we'll run through the, the one o'clock games quickly because I think the bulk of the action here is in the four o'clock and I know we're up against the uh, Sunday night football. So I don't want to bleed too much into the Cowboys game because I know how people are about them Cowboys. So let's go ahead and try to run this down here. So Tyler Lockett, DK Metcalf. Again, Tyler Lockett, 12 targets. And that's interchangeable between him and DK. So Geno Smith can force feed one guy and make him the number one receiver for that game. Whoever is the guy that just happens to be open, force feed him, give him the double-digit targets, and it opens things up. Look at DK Metcalf, eight targets, eight receptions. Because Tyler Lockett had 12 targets, nine receptions. This game is not that hard. Don't let them fool you to think that this has to be overly complicated. I think Geno Lowkey should be in the MVP mix. This was an ugly game, and they had the they had the... I'll say this about the Rams. <sighs> they're, not ta- they're not a talented roster. They traded all them picks. Von Miller. Uh, they, they, they made sure to sacrifice everything to get a chip last year, and they got that chip. There's nothing left. The cupboard is bare. But McVay still has them fighting. Aaron Donald's still out there. He did not have to play today. But he was still out there. Bobby Wagner was was running around the field crazy today. He looked like a man possessed. Again, he's going up against Seattle, so I get that. But, yeah, the, the Rams are still, uh, I won't say spunky. That, that's a trash phrase. But they played with some conviction today. They didn't lay down. I won't give you the whole thing. They showed the pedigree of a champion or, you know, the true heart of a champion. I won't give you all of that. But they, they stood tall today, and they almost stole one. They almost owe it. It took to the very end. And that's where the limitations of Seattle uh, show itself. Because as, as good as they are on offense, that's just how mid as they are on defense. The defense is not that great. Uh, the defense, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's not much, there's not much to talk about there. So Seattle moves to seven and five. And now let's, let's look at the standings there. NFC, let's go here. They're keeping pace with the 49ers. Arizona's out the mix, so let's let's do the whole playoff projections here. Let's see if the playoffs started today. Seattle gets in over Washington as the wild card. That's hella interesting. And Seattle's dangerous. His Geno's a bad weather QB. He played all them years here in New York, New York, New Jersey. He can play a bad weather. So that, that game travels. And Seattle isn't the most pristine place to play in either weather-wise. So, yeah, Seattle's a dangerous team. Out of these wild-card teams, I mean, Dallas, with the talent they have, you always had to give them a chance. But I would put my money on Seattle there before I would put, them, put it on the Giants. That's for damn sure. 
interesting to see how this plays out. Very, very interesting. So let's see. Ah, Colts on the board, 3-0. Uh-oh, Dallas. Figure it out. Figure it out, Dallas. Okay, so these one o'clock games. We had the, the, the we had the nasty man off with Deshaun Watson uh returning, if that that's what if that's what you want to call it, uh to Houston to face his former team in the Houston Texans. This game was ugly. Red zone, who I, I lean on heavily, did not really pay too much attention to this game. And if you look at this box score, you can see why. I think the Browns scored in every – all the touchdowns came in on defense and special teams. I think they only got a field goal produced by their offense. Let's make sure of that. Six points. They got two field goals off of their offense, all their touchdowns. Their three touchdowns was a punt return and two defensive touchdowns. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, so, let's see. Amari Cooper, nine targets. Okay. Even though the game was nasty, not as, not as nasty as Deshaun Watson, but the game was nasty, I think what you want to see is nine targets for Amari Cooper. That clearly is the number one receiver there, so that will increase with the targets. Then that should open things up for Peoples Jones or Njoku, who I don't see here. Did Njoku not play? I guess Njoku didn't play. Uh, and then Kareem Hunt should be massive in the check down game with, with, with Nasty Man back. Because uh, he loved doing that when he was in Houston. So the future is next year for Cleveland. We'll, we'll, we'll get there. But Deshaun Watson fresh off facing, what, 26 accusations of sexual misconduct and sexual assault or whatever. That was a very ugly game. Uh, and yet yeah, the, the Texans are tanking in a major way. And that roster is really, really bad. Uh, the Ravens, Lamar Jackson gets hurt. Uh, Russell Wilson continues to not be able to move the ball offensively. I mean, 17 of 22, nasty. Uh, here's the thing with Lamar. They said it's a knee injury, and I know this is going to cause people to jump out the window and say, see, this is why you should have took that Calamari contract that they offered you in the offseason because now if your knee is, is you know destroyed or ripped up or meniscus tear or you know worse come to worse, the ACL or MCL or whatever – this is why you should just took that money. His value is still worth more than that Calamari money. I don't care if Lamar Jackson blows out his knee. He still should have said no because his value before that injury was higher than that of Calamari. On no way on any planet under any scenario should you take a contract that is of a lesser play than you. No way, no how. Because look at the Cardinals right now. I bet you they wish they could run that contract back. They don't even want to give Kyler Murray the contract that they had to give him. And you want Lamar Jackson to sign that contract? Please. Tyler Hundley, <clears throat> who is a Lamar Jackson clone, but not in a good way. Yeah, this game was mid. Uh, Mark Andrews, seven targets. Demarcus Robinson, eight targets. Yeah, this, look, the Ravens have done it. The Ravens have done an injustice to Lamar Jackson, and it has hampered this offense so that this offense, this offense has to win games like this. That's the only way this team can win games is, is these short, under 20 points per game type wins because they have no dynamic weapons on offense outside of the quarterback. 
Mark Andrews is not dynamic. He's a great tight end. I'm not, I'm not shading him, but he's not dynamic. The only person who is dynamic on this entire offense is Lamar Jackson. And that's the fault of the Baltimore Ravens that they have refused to give him another playmaker, another one, or excuse me, give him a playmaker. Cause I don't think I don't put Mark Andrews in that playmaker category. He needs a receiver. Lamar Jackson needs a receiver. Because imagine if they had an actual bona fide number one receiver today. Because when Lamar, Lamar goes out, Tyler Huntley isn't now trying to force feed the rock to Demarcus Robinson and Devin Duvernay. Like these are dudes you should not be forcing the rock to. Demarcus Robinson and Devin Duvernay should not have 14 targets between the two of them. Should not. Should not. Not in a good offense. No. Inexcusable what the Ravens have done surrounding Lamar Jackson with little to no help. Let's continue on. Tennessee, Philly. A.J. Brown gets his revenge. Two touchdowns. Jalen Hurts continues to show his MVP uh, resume. Look, this I, I was high on Philly early. Uh, I may or may not have a bet on them on a certain uh, sports book. For them to go to the Super Bowl, not win it, but to go. Got really good odds there. But Jalen Hurst, 380 yards, three touchdowns. He didn't even have to run the rock that much today. Didn't even have to. A.J. Brown gets, the, you know, again, 10 targets. Number one receiver, 10 targets. What does that do? That opens up eight targets for five receptions and 102 yards for Devonta Smith. It's, it's not that hard of a game. Stop making it harder than it has to be. And if you're looking at the Titans here, look, man, they got Ryan Tannehill. He outrushed Derek, Derek Henry and upset that that's that's uh, that's it in a nutshell. That's it. I'm still concerned about the Philly defense. Um, they got after it today and they got some sacks. Uh, but in terms of turning the ball over. That, that was them at their peak earlier in the year when they were able to force turnovers, but uh, they were able to get after it uh, and get some sacks today. So upward signs of improvement, of getting back to how they looked earlier in the season, but still a little pause for concern there for the Philadelphia Eagles, but they move on. Clearly the, the cream of the crop in the NFC, potentially even the NFL. The Commanders and the Giants. Is there any way that you can talk about a game that ends in a tie in a good way? No. Uh, this game was rough to watch. Um, I'm not sure why the commanders won't just go with Brian Robinson as their lead back. Don't let these 21 carries fool you. Uh, I think he could be even more dynamic if they let him catch the rock. He showed you last week he had five catches out the backfield. This week, only two. I know they like Antonio Gibson, and I'm, and, I'm, and I'm not saying Antonio Gibson is not a good player and should not get touches. I just think in terms of, again, we talk about playmakers. There's good players, and there, there's playmakers. I think Antonio Gibson is a good player. I think Brian Robinson Jr. is a playmaker. He is dynamic. I'm giving that guy way more targets than Antonio Gibson. Just I think he could do more with the rock. He's, he's, he's punishing. He finishes runs. Antonio Gibson was kind of a, a revelation. Whereas Brian Robinson Jr., we know what he about. 
We know we know what he's about. So Heineke pulls a rabbit out of the hat. Uh, the Giants, again, if you're Odell, why are you coming back to Daniel Jones? Or well, why would you come back to New York when the quarterback is Daniel Jones? I'm not sure why he would do it. Because you put Odell on this offense, he becomes what? Is he getting more targets than Slayton? Is Odell off back-to-back seasons, marred with injuries, walking in as a number one? You're going to give Odell 12 targets a game? I don't know if I'm doing that. That's why I think if he goes to the Chiefs, he could just slide in there. He could get seven, seven to eight targets a game, get about four or five receptions a game, and just be that threat. Here with the Giants, he would need to be productive. And Daniel Jones is not the most uh, accurate either. So I don't know how that's going to work, especially when you're talking about stretching uh, the, the ball down the field, going vertical. I don't know if I trust the, 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 the Daniel Jones deep ball like that. So that's, that would be interesting. But a tie in the NFC East. The NFC East, all four teams in the NFC East are tied for the easiest schedule in all of football. Hey, Dallas got on the board. Dallas is up 7-3. Okay, so we'll wrap up. We've got what, three more games here. Four more games here. Let's do this real quick. Pittsburgh, Atlanta. No one really cares. I'll say this. Uh, excuse me for a second. Pickens. Pickens, Pickett. That connection is going to be a problem. It's already a problem. It's going to be a real problem down the line. Uh, when Pickens gets healthy and Pickett gets more in line with who he should be throwing to, uh, Deontay Johnson getting 11 targets. <clears throat> Soon that should be George Pickens. I think he'll eventually be, be the number one there. I'll say this about Mariota. It took Cal Pitts getting hurt, but he's finally getting Drake London to rock like a number one receiver. See here, 12 targets. So uh, Cordell Patterson, I mean, yeah, uh, the Falcons are going nowhere fast, unfortunately. They have the weapons there for the future to be a problem. Unfortunately, we're dealing in the present, so there's not much there to look at. Green Bay, Chicago. Uh, yeah, Aaron still owns the Bears. Nothing new there. Justin Fields fresh off, missing last week. Uh, he looked great at times, and then he looked bad at times. Chase Claypool, I don't know what's going on there. He, got, he lost a fumble. That was pretty big in the first half. Um, Bears defense is putrid. They can't stop the run. Uh, they can't stop the pass either when, when they needed to. They could stop you on first and second down, but third down, they are absolutely going to give it up no matter what the down and distance is. So, you know, the Packers, I mean, neither, neither one of these teams is actually good. Bears are fighting for draft pick. I think as of right now, I think they had the second overall pick heading into today's action. I think that stayed the same. So the Bears are doing what they should be doing, and that is uh, – getting that tank ready and loading up to build around Justin Fields. Okay. Lions, Jacksonville. I won't even get into that too crazy. Uh, Jacksonville's defense was Basura. They made Jared Goff look like Jared Goff from years ago when he had uh, McVay in his ears leading up to the snap. And the Lions looked good. And Jamal Williams was still effective on the ground. Uh, Amon St. Saint- 
Amon St. Brown, Amon Ross St. Brown uh, was uh, dominant. not the word, but I mean, 12 targets, 11. <laughs> Maybe he was dominant. He's, he's dominant against Jacksonville. 12 targets, 11 receptions. And uh, Jamison got out there for a target. No, did he? I thought I saw him. I know he was activated. Maybe I missed saw. I, th- I thought I saw Jamison out there. But anyway, the future is next year. And again, if you're talking about the Bears, <clears throat> the Lions have everything but the quarterback, right? They have receivers with Jamison Williams, Amon Ross, St. Brown, and even with the dual running backs with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams. Um, had a tight end, traded him, but I'm, I, I feel they feel that, that they could go find another one. So they have everything on offense except the quarterback. The Bears are the opposite. They have nothing except a quarterback. So, you know, the, those, those are going to be the two teams as the Vikings are the dominant team in that division, uh, as the Packers are taking a step back. And it's all about the, the Vikings as we'll wrap up uh, this window with the Vikings and the Jets. That's going to be the tale of the two teams in the NFC North is who's going to get to being relevant quicker, the team that has everything but a quarterback or the team that only has a quarterback. Minnesota and the Jets. I thought Mike White was going to do it again late here. Uh, Again, stat lines will fool you. I don't know why Zonovan Knight didn't get more touches on the goal line. That QB sneak thing. Um, They were on the goal line. And Mike White just didn't look comfortable with the QB sneaks. I just don't understand it. They had Zonovan Knight, who was right there who had a good game. I mean, even if you want to take away this long of 48, he still gave you about almost 50 plus yards on uh, 14 carries, which is a good, good average yards per carry. So, I mean, the Jets, again, the Jets are another one. They have everything else except the quarterback. So many teams are still a quarterback away, and there's still a good deal of teams that have everything uh that have only a quarterback and nothing else. So it's weird. You could argue the Vikings have everything but a quarterback, but that's a story for another day. I'm sure, you know, the Vikings survive. Um, we will see. We will see. Because they are tending to, they have to be exposed at some point, right? They have to be exposed at some point. Let's see here. Stay FC. Let's go NFC. Let's go playoffs. If it was, if it's Seattle, Minnesota, Seattle goes on the road into Minnesota. You think that's, that's, I mean, the Vikings would be favored, but it wouldn't shock you if the Seahawks won that game, right? Giants, Minnesota, you would be stunned if the Giants beat Minnesota in Minnesota. Cowboys, Minnesota, you would not be shocked that the Cowboys went into Minnesota and got a dub. So that just shows you. And again, the the win differential, uh, the points differential, do they have that here? No, on this site. Uh, The point differential is very low for a team that's 10 and 2. I think, wait, it was plus 2 last week. So they won by 5. Plus 7. That's all top of my head. That's what it should be, unless I might be off by a point or two. Plus 7 point differential for a team that's 10 and 2. That has to be a record of lowest ever for a team with 10 wins. So 
the Vikings are doing, doing this with fool's gold. Interesting. Very, very interesting. Well, look, let me jump up out of here because I know the, uh, the Cowboys game is a thing. Oh, look at the Colts, 10-7. Let me not say nothing. Okay, okay, can I take a quick peek? Can I take a quick peek? Who's doing it? Dak to CeeDee Lamb. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Shout out to Corey out there at, uh, at, at Jerry's World. Knowing him, he probably placed a bet on the Colts anyway. So, anyway, let me wrap this up here. Uh, thank you for checking this out. Let me get this off that screen. Appreciate y'all. I am the Sam D. This is the football kickback week 13 NFL recap. I do this uh, after every, after, after the four o'clock games are done, I'll pull up, send out the alerts via Twitter, via YouTube to set it up. And I come on here and I talk for about an hour recapping the four o'clock slate and the one o'clock slate. And then you can also check out my podcast, the uh, all sports uh, the Sam D podcast. It is has been nominated twice for uh, awards, so it's an award nominated podcast two years in a row. So you know, it has some pedigree. You know, it's, it's something that's actually a viable source of information. A little bit of humor, a little bit of information, all mixed together. So the The Sam D podcast that will be coming out uh, tomorrow. Going to be recording that tomorrow morning. That'll drop tomorrow afternoon. So that'll be a little bit of NBA, a lot of college football. So it'll be a lot there. So if you want to hear this, you can always run this back out. Uh, if you're watching this on the replay, be sure to hit the like button, share this, uh, subscribe to the channel. There's a donate link in the uh, description as well. And if you like this look and this setup, I'm doing this via Ecamm Live. So shout out to Ecamm Live. If you want to try Ecamm Live, there's also a link there. So it's a referral link. It doesn't cost you anything to click on that link. Just check it out, get your trial. And if you do subscribe and uh get one of the plans, your boy gets a little cut and that helps support this channel so I can keep doing things like this. So I'd like to thank you for pulling up and checking out and tapping into the week 13 football kickback. I'm the Sam D. I'll holler at you again next Sunday.